The Napa Know How Motorsport Academy is back, bigger than ever, in 2022. Led by supercar star Bryce Forward as the driver mentor, the Academy offers tuition to all racers aged 13 and up, giving insights into the world of racecraft and analysis, plus information on health, sponsorship and media. On top of the information you'll receive, you can win regular prizes and best of all, it's free to join. Get involved at the new Napa Motorsport Asia Pacific Facebook and Instagram pages or visit the Napa Australia or New Zealand websites to sign up and be part of know-how that is synonymous with Napa. Start your engines. This is the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racer Podcast. Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast, episode number eight. Check it all out at Napa Auto Parts website, www.napaparts.com.au and of course, across the Tasman in New Zealand. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to those that have been joining us for the first time and a huge thanks to those returning to the Gaz and Daz show for the eighth time. Who knew? My co-host today remains the same as the previous seven episodes. In fact, he hasn't changed at all since the glory days of the 1970s. He still drives a Charger. Welcome to Gary O'Brien. Thanks, Daz, and uh, it's great to be here. It's hard to believe that we've gone 16 weeks already. Well, it sounds better when we say 16 weeks or eight episodes, a, a fortnightly uh, fortnightly effort, big big effort for us to uh, get our acts together. Um, Gaz, we uh, spoke earlier on today, the, the races over in New Zealand, particularly the, uh, the Napa uh, Central Muscle Cars grabbed your attention over the weekend, didn't they? They certainly did. It was a group that was formed in 2003, and it was just by a group of guys that wanted to create a class catering for classic competition muscle cars. It quickly grew as many other competitors also shared the same passion for Aussie and American muscle cars. And um, it's just grown rapidly since then. It produced it's for production vehicles built between 1958 and 1978. And there must be a minimum of a thousand identical units being produced in a 12 month period. There are two classes, Group 1 and Group 2, and you probably noticed that they had different colour windscreen banners, and that would indicate what they are. Uh, the category in Group 1 allows for 17 by 11 each wheel, so they're big, big, big lots of rubber under those cars, composite panels, uh, front spoilers, and six-pot front calipers and four-pot rears. And the, one, uh, the Group 2 cars are re restricted, technically. They have all standard... Uh, panels and they can only run a nine inch wheel and four pot brakes of course the, the big names in the category over there are angus fogg in that black mustang andy knight and his monza nick ross in the dodge challenger uh shane winston who was uh, for a long time the, the front runner in hq holden with a big nascar engine in it bruce anderson his mustang and unfortunately tony calbraith who had that big accident in the first outing where someone stalled in front of him and he went up the back of it. So that's a bit unfortunate. Pukakawi was their first round. They go to Manfield in November, back to Pukakawi in December, and then Tarpo, Hampton Downs, Tarpo in March of next year, and then a seventh round to be advised. They have been here. They're very similar to our Touring Car Masters cars, perhaps just a little bit quicker. So they had to have a rev limit when they raced at Mount Panorama. Yeah, I was just thinking about the the rear tyres you're talking about. It's a cross between TCM and Formula Five Thousand, almost with the, oh, the, the amount sedans. of rubber they can have. Yeah, sports sedans. Yeah. I, I do remember them racing uh, at Mount Panorama, and they were 
they were very, very quick cars. And certainly, uh, well, who grabbed your attention on the weekend in the, oh, uh, the Napa Muscle Ang- Cars? Uh, Angus Fogg in that black Mustang, he he was a class of the build. They run handicap races as well as um, uh, normal starts. So when Angus Fogg started off pole in the two races that he did, he just cleaned, ran away from him. And incidentally, at Bathurst, I think from memory, 313 kilometres an hour down Conrad Strait. It's scary, that isn't it? Yeah, I remember the uh, Diablo. We got that to three hundred and three, and that was a wedge-shaped aero uh, equipped car with <laughs> wings and all sorts of things. And uh, it was a bit scary with the with that back in the with the V twelve in in uh, Nations Cup trim back in the day. Um, certainly, I guess the other thing or the other elephant in the room around the weekend is that, uh, like Wakefield Park, we say hooroo to another great uh, track across the Tasman after last weekend. Indeed so. Um, I've unfortunately never been able to get to Taipo. I've only been to Manfield in New Zealand, uh, but certainly it would have been a certainly spectacular place to see. You never know, we might get over there for the Napa Auto Parts Central Muscle Cars when they go back there in December. I Wouldn't think that that's why good? we're talking about them so energetically, isn't it, Gaz? We get the <laughs> uh, the attention of the promoters. We're, we love them. Yep. Head over to uh, to NZ and get in a bit of a bit of snow skiing in between uh, rounds or something. What do you uh, think? December might be a bit hard to find snow. Oh yeah, they've got snow there. I'm sure. Uh, Phillip Island last weekend had the the big V8s as part of the Pyark uh, Access round down there, and uh, wins went to Brian Finn, who takes out the championship for uh, for 2022 as well. Graham Mir had a race win, and Greg Lynch was on the podium. Those three guys shared all four race podiums between the three of them as well. So a little bit of uh, local news going on here as well with some, some results there as well, Gaz. And up our way, we had uh, Sydney, that is, uh, National Sports Sedans, what we by Precision International. Uh, round four at Sydney Motorsport Park, Jordan Crusoe came a step closer to securing the title when he won the fourth round there. At the wheel at John Goulet's Shepard Audi, he won two of the three races, including the Deswald Trophy. It was great to see that revived to increase his lead second in the points. Uh, Steve Tomasi was runner-up, while Andre Heimgartner, who drove Mark Duggan's Aston Martin Chev, was third. Um, Brad Shields was the local uh, front-runner in the New South Wales Kumo Tyre Sports Sedan Championship, he actually uh, took the fight right up to the national boys and actually passed Caruso in the last race and led for a couple of laps uh, to finally, I think he finished uh, in the points as as an outright situation, but doesn't qualify for national uh, status. Certainly a fantastic um, entry for the national sports sedans with, I guess, combining with the New South Wales series that we're all on track together and at the same time. So, uh, was fantastic to see it, but I tell you what, Steve Tomasi has got his work cut out with one round to go, doesn't he? To to try and chase down Jordan Caruso in John Gourlay's Audi, it's uh, really scintillating stuff. In fact, uh, it's going to keep a couple of blokes like you and I very, very interested coming to that last round, isn't it? Well, you'll be keen for that one. That's at the historic Sandown in uh, November, so it's not that far away. But uh, Jordan was pretty level-headed about it all. He said, you know, I've only had to slip up once and all of a sudden the fight's back on again. So he's going to have to watch uh, how he runs down there. Uh, Part of that meeting, of course, which was the Australian Races Drivers Club Super 70. It uh, supersedes what was the Muscle Car Masters. Probably didn't have the the, uh, amount of popularity that the Muscle Car Masters had, but that was to be expected. 
But Super 70 actually celebrated the ARDC's 70th year, formed in 1952. And they had um, a lot of other categories running, Group S, Group N. Uh, Supercarts were running as well as um, uh, production cars. And um, yeah, it was a fantastic meeting. I couldn't say anything bad about the whole way it worked out. It had a little bit of mass, uh, uh, muscle car masters flavour with the little bit of happenings going on beyond the pits, but certainly not the crowd. Certainly the, uh, the light show on Saturday night with the oh, 70 years I, was pretty spectacular, wasn't it? I thought that was absolutely superb. And I think that's the future of fireworks. There's no doubt about it. The things they could do with those drones. If you get a chance to get onto Facebook or YouTube, you're bound to find it there somewhere. Uh, what the Super 70 uh, drone display was all about. It was fa absolutely fantastic. So the Napa. Know How Academy is an awesome free service to help improve your grassroots racing, fitness, diet, mental fitness, press and media, social media strategy, sponsorship, and much, much more available on the Napa website at the Academy. Today, Grant Rowley has been speaking to one of the talented rising stars from New Zealand, a young racer called Brianna Morris. Take it away, Grant. Okay, so I've got Brie Morris here. She races in Formula Ford and uh, she is supported by Napa Auto Parts over in New Zealand. Brie, just tell us a little bit about your motorsport journey. Uh, so I started in karting. I was on the sidelines first and then I was like, Dad, I want to jump in a kart one day. So I jumped in. I think I was about 2013. I would have been 10 years old and now we're in 2022 and I am 18 years old and I am striving to race in the W Series next season. Amazing, that would be fantastic and an excellent uh, goal to have. Uh, you've raced Formula Ford, are you racing again in 2022-23 over here in New Zealand? I'm hoping to do the TRS season in January next year. So far, I'm not racing Formula Fords anymore as it was my last year's season. So now we're striving for TRS and then W Series. As the New Zealanders go, uh, once you get over 16, you're too old for Formula Ford. You've, uh, you've got to move on. Australia is a little bit different. Um, okay, cool. So W Series, uh, all, all women open wheel category, besides the obvious, what are the uh, appeals of that category? Uh, it's more so a stepping stone for where I want to be in my career. I want to be racing single seaters as a career, right? It's well known for all female category and the aim of the series is to bring females into wings and slicks and develop them into drivers and then potentially move them onwards to say F3, F2, F1, IndyCar. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay, so uh, the Motorsport Academy, you're uh, still young in your career. Uh, it's a cool portal. What have you been able to take out of that that you've been able to implement into your programs of racing? Yeah, so with the Napa Motorsport Know How Academy, it's been great as a information on the site like we've got amazing videos to follow through training sponsorship media all kinds of things like that and a lot of mental things like you can teach yourself how to relax and actually strive for what you want to do and it's been a great help also having napper on board this year it's been an amazing team and we've had a 
great opportunities throughout the year. Thanks very much, Grant. Fantastic to catch up with Brianna Morris and we wish her journey in motorsport all the very, very best. And we hope she has a, a longevity like many of the guests we've had here on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast. And we would also uh, like to welcome and thank our sponsor from Race Fuels. Great to have our friends there. We'll be back in just a moment. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 is available at racefuels.com.au. Let's get into it, Gaz. We've got a terrific guest tonight with a very bright future. Yeah, tonight's guest started to make a name for himself in Formula Fords at state championship level before he tackled the National Series and finished 13th after six races, which I would imagine would have been just two rounds. Not a bad effort. He campaigned four years in Toyota 86 Series and finished two of them second outright. He moved into TCR in 2020, proceeded uh by a full season in 2021 with the melbourne performance center audi R rs3 where he finished third in title chase this year he campaigns a hyundai i30n and in a very highly competitive series let's say hello to luke king hey gents uh thank you very much for, for having me here thanks for the intro there gaz um I think you got most of it in. You were the the words were coming out thick and fast there. So uh, <laughs> I think we got got most of my highlights in. Just end the podcast here. Thank well, you very we'll much, get... uh, Luke King. We'll catch uh, everybody at our next podcast episode nine. <laughs> no, no, seriously, uh, Gary and I have been doing some great research here, Luke. Thanks heaps for joining us on the Napa Auto Pass Grassroots Racing Academy. Our uh, eight guests. It's terrific to have you here and. Uh, Certainly, we've had um, some some terrific characters and and legends of motorsport join us, and uh, we add you proudly to the list. Take us back to the the very grassroots of Luke King and motorsport. What, what was the first time you went to a track that you that you remember and went, oh, I just have to make this my life. Um, I don't think there was ever a moment. I think uh, I think I probably ended up. Um, being one of those kids that just had it in the blood, I think uh, from from stories that I've I've been told, I was at a racetrack before I could even remember. Um, I think at the time, Dad was working um, running the engine program for Colin Bond's Caltech Sierra uh, team, and um, and I would have probably been one or two years old um, at the mountain for for the first time in Mum's arms. So. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of I can't remember a time where I haven't been picking up a model car or uh, you know watching the racing with dad or, or whatever it may be or, or even at a track when I was a kid. Um, and I think probably more than karting for me, it started off going going to the track as a fan and and obviously being um, being lucky enough uh, uh, that dad has you know a lot of contacts who are drivers and other engineers in the sport, and I was always 
interested to to talk to them and um it used to annoy my other brother because I'd be happy to stand there and have a chat in the pits where Grant was just bored and wanted to go home. So were you one of those kids that used to slide down the Oran Park bank behind pit straight there on the cardboard cartons? No, I I I was probably one of the kids that was just like dead set glued to the fence and you couldn't even get me to to go to the go to the toilet or go and get something to to eat or drink. Um I I did used to admire the um the old fellas in the, the big trench coats in the Dryzerbone trench coats at Bathurst and uh I was keen to slide down the the hill at Bathurst with them a couple of times, but uh never got that opportunity. So let's let where does it go from being a very passionate fan and watching from the fence to jumping into some a seat of uh, something you had four wheels on it and going out and racing? Well, I, I probably bugged mum and dad about it for, for ages, um, as as every kid does who's a who's a racing fan. And mind you, it didn't take too much bugging for me to try and talk dad into it. Um, the the first thing on four wheels I ever actually drove was uh, was billy carts down the hill at Avalon Road um, in on the Central Coast, and we actually we had like a little local series lined up, and there was a kid up the street from me who had painted his cart red and white. Um, I'd painted mine up like the the Caltex supercar at the time because Dad had some. Uh, some ties to uh, the local sprint car team, which was sponsored by Caltex. And I didn't mind Tony Longhurst and, and Russell Ingle back then. Um, and my brother had a shell cart and there was another kid that had a GRM Valvoline cart. And we were like the, uh, yeah, the the junior supercar billy cart program of the Central Coast back then. And it, um, I used to get pretty good at being able to con- control a slide with my, with my feet and with some ropes rather than a steering wheel. So... That was uh, that was honestly the the first time I'd ever got on four wheels. A serious precursor to a jump into a go kart, I guess, and get some power behind you or underneath your right elbow and uh, and go racing with with you know on a real race track with a real race car. Yeah, hundred percent. That was uh, that was obviously the next step, and I was probably um, we were never really going to be able to do it without without help. Um, and that was you know karting was where sponsors started to come into it for for me as early as the age of twelve. And my first sponsor happened to be my uncle, who uh, who runs quite a successful full driver training and tag along tours organization named Great Divide Tours, and uh, he you know, he made sure that when he sponsored me, he was going to get something back out of that. And he was one of the one, the first ones to help teach me, you know, how business worked and, and how sponsors worked and what I needed to give back to to him um, in order for, for it to be worthwhile for him to, to do it. So I'm glad he did that because I, um yeah, without without his guidance and without that opportunity, I probably wouldn't be, you know, where where I am now and, and have the sponsors that we have today. Where where were you racing initially, and where and how far did you go with karting? So our our home circuit was Mount Sugarloaf at Newcastle. So um, the the Russells who who ran in supercars, obviously for for a time there, were growing up at the same time. I think Drew and I were fairly similar age. Um, there were some other good guys uh, around at the time. Um, I, it escapes me as to who they were, but honestly, Gary, all all we could afford was to to go and do Newcastle. Um, 
we did the, most of the club and the state rounds there. I got to do the city cup and, and a state title there um, a couple of times. I did get out to Oran Park um, for for a test day, so I managed to do the the hill and go over the bridge and come back down, which was the old karting circuit. Um, but that was pretty much it for us in in karting. We stuck fairly local because that's all we could do. Any success had during your your time doing the Newcastle kart scene? Well, my my first uh, my first race that I ever did, I actually read the rule book properly. And when they put out the red flag, uh, pretty much every single cart in the field. Oh, sorry, no, it was a yellow flag. Every cart in the field pulled in, and I kept going around. And um, I think I put three laps on the field. So the the famous story is I won my first race by uh, by three laps that I was that good. <laughs> <laughs> well there's the headline right there isn't it <laughs> Don't Absolutely. <laughs> there's a yeah uh, there's a new first line for your sponsorship pro- proposal as well luke right there absolutely absolutely yeah the only uh, way is up isn't it from there well, imagine uh, if you could do that now in tcr get out there and win by three laps not I'll even chazzy moster can do that but yeah I, I don't think uh i don't think i'll be racing tcr australia would be yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, you're probably right. Let's yeah. have a bit of a jump now. Um, back in 2011, the Dial Before You Dig National Saloon Car Championship was in full swing, and um, Gaz and I were there. And hashtag Gaz is always there. Yeah. Um, so uh, we remember that back in the the EA Falcon that uh, that you were running in that. How did uh, how did the the jump, I guess, from karting into you know, full blown circuit racing happen for you? Well, it was um, it was actually um, through a, a friend of Dad's who he'd worked with in the the two liter touring car era, a guy by the name of John Parchos who run ran high tech um, the Ute, Ute team back then, and um, guys like Grant Johnson and, and Jack Ellsgood sort of um, had taught me how to drive Utes around Eastern Creek, and and John was was good enough to actually allow me to just come and do some testing in a in a V eight Commodore Ute. Uh, back when I was 18 and um, you know we, we ran that for a, a couple of rounds just lease lease free and, and John was really helping us out there until the point where we could afford to get our own car um, and that was the the famous EA Falcon saloon car so I think I've even still got like a little highlights thing up from the the New South Wales production car series from when I was like passing evos and club sports and stuff like that on the opening lap and there was guys coming up to me sort of saying oh is that an xr6 turbo and i'm like no no it's 140 kilowatt (laughs) a six cylinder falcon uh nothing special lock diff uh mini spool in it and uh it was a lot of fun to drive and yeah we we had a lot of fun with that car of course uh saloon cars in new south wales was never really big by any stretch of imagination and I guess it's been fortunate from your point of view that uh, the production car series allowed saloon cars to go and race with them. So at least gave you somewhere to race at state level. Yeah, well, that was um, actually the, the obviously the first time I'd met Jerry Murphy, who was who was running it all back then, and um, and I think he was part of the the reason that that the rule book had sort of opened up to get some other competitors in there. And you're right, it um, it allowed us to to run that car. I mean, I think we'd always wanted to run the saloon cars anyway at, at a national level, um, and we'd approached some friends of dad's like Steve Masterton to 
you know, do a bit of a retro livery on on the car, um, being a Falcon and mimic maybe to mimic his XE um, from back in the day and, and do a bit of a deal there. But um, yeah, it was a bit hard for us to go national at that stage. So to have a you know six or a seven round championship with the New South Wales production touring cars was was really good. And I think um, Bob Pearson had a had a prize for like the the best young driver back then, which we we won and. Um, I think we actually finished fairly high up in the overall championship um, through that as well, which was, uh, yeah, it was just good. And, and there was a lot of opportunities there to, to meet some people who had been in the sport for a long time. Did you think when you were moving from karting into you know, circuit racing that a saloon car was the, the right way to go? Or was it a case of bank balance here, options here, this is what we can we can achieve? Yeah, I mean, like a, a lot of people who who know me or um, you know know my background of who we're friends with and stuff. Like Mark Larkin was a big influence in the initial part of my career through karting and stuff like that. And he'd always said to Dad and I that we we really need to get into Formula Ford. Um, but it was purely uh, a budget thing at that point, and. And for us, we we really just needed to to build on something, and and for me to get out on track, and and yeah, that the saloon car, you know, I think we paid like seven seven grand for that thing. Um, drove up to to Queensland uh, with a rickety old trailer to to pick it up, and um, yeah, the the saloon cars was a solid thing. You could get a gearbox from the wrecker for three hundred bucks, and Dad and I rebuilt the motor inside the car in our garage at home and you know had a had a drill with a bore going going through it and you know like we we did a lot of work to that car and we sold it as a really nice car for a, for a profit so it um it taught me a lot wow get making a profit out of a race car that's unusual especially when you've used it a bit it um, is. just just harking back to when you talk about john as most people would know you're talking about barrel yeah uh, yeah. But um, it could be a pretty hard taskmaster when things didn't go right. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, I, I never experienced that. And I don't know whether it was just because I was always right place, right time with John. But I, I even went went away working with them down at the Adelaide 500. And um, as an 18-year-old, I, I ran a car for him for, for the weekend with another tape kid that I was working with. And I was pretty much crew chief in this bloke and I'd, I'd barely raced myself at that stage, but I was just kind of cottoning on to whatever was happening. And I think I, I think um, just thanks to, you know, the way that mum and dad brought me up and some of my teachers at high school, I was just good at communicating with, with older people. And, you know, I wasn't afraid to let people know if I didn't know something. And I think John, John always appreciated that. So there was no, uh, no stuff ups or uh, anything like that that John could really get me on. <laughs> well, I imagine that that he would, as you said, would really appreciate that because if you didn't, if you didn't admit that you didn't know something, you were going to cop it. <laughs> well, I I reckon Gary, there's probably a couple of times there where I watched him rip rip someone to shreds from the back of the garage, and I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, so now we've moved on to Formula Ford. Yep. That's uh, how, how that came about. And um, obviously you had uh, a fair bit of success in it as well. 
Yeah, so the the Formula Ford thing probably finally came about because I was doing my apprenticeship at the time at, uh, uh, where was that? That was Vales Point Power Station. So for those that don't know, I'm a fitter and turner by trade. Um, so I did my trade through, well, it's probably one of the last kids to get to do it through the, the government agencies. Um, so Delta Electricity, which then turned into Origin Energy and um, some of those big private companies. Um, but they, the wage that I was on and the, um, the, the ability for me to do some of my racing mechanical work at actual work was a, a big bonus. Um, so yeah, I, I was able to make it work by going and getting some, some loans as, as a lot of, uh, of, of race drivers have done over the years. And, um, yeah, Greg Woodrow actually helped us get into a Miguel, which was, um, you know, the, the car that we wanted to go with at the time, even though it was more expensive. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I actually got to drive Jack LeBrock's championship winning car the day after he won the championship down at Winton in 2012. So um, so that that was a good day. And the the Formula Fords, uh, those Duratecs are, are awesome cars. And I'll never forget that first test day in, in the Minda car because just the way it pulled out of out of turn the final corner coming onto the main straight at Winton was just like rapid um and I think just think they're great cars to drive how did 2014 you did that you did join in on the the Victorian Formula Ford championship and I that was was that with the Luke Allery Miguel that you were talking about the SJ09 yeah, so we owned that car and it was just through a, a friend of ours, Pete Dolman, that we'd um, ended up going down to, to Luke's to do the big, big title that year. So that also in 2014, there was, um, you did a switch also back onto the, um, into production cars with the Peter Conroy Integra Type R as well. Correct. Yeah. Through, through our good friend, friend, Kevin Herbin. Um, yeah. Ke Kevin and I actually drove together. Uh, big, big shout out to Kev. He's a big fan. Yeah, huge shout out to Kev. Um, yeah. He, funnily enough, he actually drove with me in the old Falcon saloon car at Winton for like this one hour enduro or two hour enduro that we did with the production car series. And he actually shunted the car at the flag point and um could have finished the race. Like it wasn't too bad. It was just a bit superficial, but then he got bogged. And um, I think ever since that day, the way that we all dealt with Kev and, and had that friendship was always good. And when Kev was in the position to, to offer me a drive in that Integra, um, he, he gave it to me and it was an all expenses paid thing and an opportunity for me to, to get around to some race circuits that I'd never been at before. Yeah, certainly uh, memorable that the, the Integra battles back in that that sort of era with uh, production cars. It was certainly a very, very entertaining side of things. So the, the Victorian Formula Ford scene, how did you enjoy, I guess there was a fair bit more travelling and you probably did it uh, through the night by road, not not flying down, etc. Yeah, yeah, there, there was a bit of that. I mean, part of the reason we went with Luke was because he was based down in Victoria. So we we kept the car down at his place. And he was really good with helping out with sponsors he already had in the team. And, um, you know, he was just growing his, his business at that time. Um, and he was great from a driver coaching perspective with those types of cars. And, um, yeah, we, we had a good run down there. And, and the Vic State Series, as most people know, is, is quite competitive. Um, you know, I think there was probably 10 or 12 really good Juratex running at that time. Guys like Jake Spencer, Jake Foraker. 
um, Steve Cordes. Um, there was a, a fair few guys down there back then. And, um, you know, we, we had a few podiums there. And um, I can't remember whether we got to finish the season out there or not, but I actually broke my wrist that, that season in a, in a Formula Ford and had a bit of a, a shocking run down at Phillip Island and Sandown all in the one one week, which... Um, yeah, was was probably one of the worst weekends that we've we've had in in racing. But um, but yeah, the Vic State series was was really good. How do you find? I'm always been interested in this. Going from a an open wheel vehicle to a closed wheel, and then back to an open wheel. It's about the proximity of other cars around you and all that. I mean, you've seen it. You've been in, in it. Where you see Formula Ford say going through fast weepers and not only are they running wheel to wheel, they're running wheel within wheel. And yet they all yeah. seem to survive. No one seems to run over the top of each other. And that, how, how do you find that from a driver's perspective? Well, I, I mean, obviously that's one of the things that people talk about Formula Ford the most. And um, there's actually some really good highlight footage of, uh, of Crazy calling me the excitement machine at, at Wakefield Park Nationals. And I think I've got, I got up the inside of Mitch Martin and we did exactly that, Gary. We like cross wheels. And then I think my front wheel almost came back into his, but then I knew, knew I had a bit of a run in the inside and I managed to pull away and we never actually tangled. So I, um, I actually, I think I might've been born for, for touring cars just because I, I, I just feel natural in a, in a touring car, but, um, but the formula Ford stuff was always, um, I think, it's just a an apprenticeship that every race driver should should do, whether it's a test couple of test days or or what to give you an experience. But there's nothing like being able to see exactly where you're positioning each wheel on the car and you know what what that wheel is is telling you through the car as well. Like, you know, if you're able to see it touch a bit of the white line or or touch a curve slightly, you know exactly what that that feels like. Um and you know, for people who are listening to this, obviously through the podcast, you probably can't tell, but I'm like, I'm twitching my my shoulders and my arms around as race drivers do talking that's about. So how- we, yeah, so we. <laughs> we're all going through the same corner with you. <laughs> like that's Danny on the road at Sandown, the way my head was going, I was like leaning right into it. Then. <laughs> that's it. It just just gives you that that feel, and and um, yeah, you're not quite as um, connected to a car as, as you are when you when you're in an open wheeler. Like it's um it's probably the most raw experience, I suppose, of, of seat in the pants driving. So any grassroots races out there listening to to this one, I would highly recommend doing a couple of test days in the Formula Ford. I guess you you've already mentioned earlier on one of the most respected, let's say, media guys in the sport, ex race driver being Mark Larkham, encouraged you to go there. Um, he openly in nearly every opportunity has to talk to young drivers via the medium of television to get them to go through Formula Ford. Even when Formula Four came about, he sort of scratched his head and said, I still think that Formula Ford is uh is the way to go. They move around, they're on they're not on slicks, they're on groove tires. You run the same thing whether it's wet or dry. Um and it's certainly the, the a great proving ground. And you just explained it with your hands and your, your, your vocabulary there, Luke, about the, the excitement of, of running them. In 2015, you found your way into the Australian Formula Ford scene in a year that uh, Cameron Hill uh, took out the title. And uh, some of the names, Lewis Leeds, Will Brown, 
Leanne Tander was returning to the sport and she returned straight, injected herself straight into the, the top end of it. Hamish Hardman, Jaden Ojeda and Cameron Shields. You're in a uh, an alumni of drivers that are going to be watching the operational on of Australian motorsport in five to 10 years time. And it's going to be all those guys, including you in there. It's a, it's a big school to come through. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, I obviously, if I didn't have any self self belief, I, I wouldn't be where I am right now, but I obviously, you know, rate us up um, among some of those guys and, um, and, and probably better than, them. um, <laughs> I, you know, like Cameron, Cameron Hill, um, was super strong, um, back then was, you know, it was actually a struggle to compete against him, him and his dad. They obviously did a lot of testing and, and had a lot of development on that car. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we, we really enjoyed that, that, that season of Formula Ford and probably the thing for me, and it was a bit like that at the last round of, of QR with TCR, but, um, one of the things I really enjoyed about nationals was, I've still got my Falcon wagon, but I'm probably known for carting all of my race cars around in a Falcon wagon. And we would be pulling up next to the Sonic truck and, you know, like all the big boys of Formula Ford and here's Luke King's space at the back of the garage. And I'm back in a rusty trailer and a Falcon with a very well-prepared Miguel on the back of it, mind you. And we were pretty serious about it. And it was only me, dad, Glenn Dolman, um, who worked for Minda Motorsport um, back when Jack and Macaulay were, were racing there. And uh, we went hard, you know, we, we beat some of the Sonic boys and I think we were top four at, at SMP that year. Um, we, we didn't have as good a run at Wakefield Park, even though we'd spent two and a half days testing there. But um, I don't know, yeah, why why it didn't turn out so well for us there. But um but yeah, it was a competitive field of cars and uh, it was, yeah, always, always good racing. Actually, you, you touched on there. That was my first time I met you at the track. And uh, I must admit, I sort of rolled my eyes in the back of my head and I went, who is this guy that just came bounding in the back door of the media center, full ball, wanting to tell everyone about him uh, coming fourth in a Formula Ford race and it took me about 30 seconds and I went no I'm warming to this guy I, I appreciate where he's coming from he's uh he's a good 20 years younger than me and doing exactly what I would have done yeah and uh I just want to just we'll get back onto the serious stuff but years later you and I reacquainted and we did an interview in a VIP room um at the at TCR at Phillip Island and and I I I was really annoyed that you didn't do what you promised you were going to do. You, you, you do a bit of driver training and you said, I'll tell you what I normally do. I, I, I go, you know, and, and Luke is here and, and you come into the room and you do a, you're a somersault on the ground and stand up and say, I'm Luke King. And that's how I roll. And you didn't do it for me. I was waiting for it. I was emceeing this thing and I built you up and I went, no, he's just going to wander in casually here. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, mate. I, I did let you down. That was, um, that was something that I used to do at uh, the front of fast track racing, the V8 experience at um, SMP, which um, used to pay really well. And it was, it was a great thing for, for the drivers that were there at the time to, to earn a wage while we were, we were all racing. Um, I've got some good stories about, about those days. Um, you know, guys like Jesse Dixon, Scott Andrews, Josh Burden, Timmy Brook, uh, like Steve White, Dog White. Um, oh, I'm going to forget so many names here, but like a lot of boys, Mal Rose, all of us doing fast track race experiences, but actually racing each other. 
<laughs> while we've got punters in the car it was um it was good times and yeah we used to have a lot of fun with the the introductions of the professional drivers that would be coaching the uh the customers for that day and that was my uh my intro and and George Elliott and and Dave that the owners kind of never let me forget it and I pretty much locked myself into doing somersaults for the next four years I worked there. <laughs> had to warm up to do your uh to do your intro we, we digress that was I, I mean I'm I guess I'm coloring in the story of uh, of our episode eight guest Luke King here in that uh he's a guy that is going to leave no stone unturned, whether he's somersaulting or tiptoeing through the tulips, whatever it it might be. Um, you jumped from Formula Ford after 2015. There was a new series on the horizon there and what's now known as the Gazoo Racing Toyota 86 series. And uh, in 2016, you had a race win there too. Yeah, honestly, the, the 86 series saved us, mate. And it's, it's a credit to, to Neil Crompton and the airtime crew and everyone who put that category together, um, obviously Toyota themselves and, and supercars, um, that's, that series came along with perfect timing for us. Cause for me, I knew that I couldn't afford to do any more than I did in 2015 with national formula Ford series. And I was looking at it going, well, <clears throat> You know, I'm, I'm not going to go back to to Formula Ford, National Formula Ford again, and spend, you know, probably a hundred grand running around doing test days and and all that sort of stuff. When I already know that we're at a, a certain level, um, I'm probably better off to start saving for a house. Um, and then as as the off season kind of went on, the '86 series had gained a lot of momentum very quickly, and the prize money thing had come into it back then as well, which is probably one of the first junior categories that was, you know, ever going to give prize money for competing, let alone the chance to compete on at a supercar level. So, um, yeah, dad and I went down, um, with Neil Bates, who's an absolute legend of, of the sport. And I say that with experience because Neil is just an absolute gentleman to deal with and a great guy. And all of his crew, uh, are probably have given us some of the best times in, in racing. Um, and uh, yeah, did a test in one of the factory cars that they'd built and, and they were testing back then. And, and he was very sort of relaxed at, about it and keen to, to bring new people in. So, um, so yeah, we actually did a, a big deal with a, a dealership team that season, um, which actually only lasted for, for two rounds before I had to go off and find another car at the last minute. I remember I met you down at Sandown and um, I must have been the second of those rounds from memory, you were prepping two cars beside your own. So it was the third round, was it? And, um, yeah, uh, and that was what had you in the sport at the time, really, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much, mate. Uh, that was the Brian Hilton uh, motorsport team, which was, yeah, it was four cars. It was Josh Hunter, Drew Ridge, and uh, Jared Maggs, who's probably more famous than all of us for his exploits in in the 86 series and, and the youth series. Um but, uh, but yeah, I, Dad and I had actually helped build and homologate all four of those those cars um, with a friend of mine, Jeff Davies, who who races in in some state rally stuff and is a really good mechanic. Um, and yeah, we, we built those cars up, and part of the deal was that obviously I would I would drive for for the year while working for for the team. So um, unfortunately, I think it was a it was a little bit mismanaged, and it just ended up that they couldn't you know, continue to support me. Um, but it did give me enough time to to 
have an opportunity to to get in. I think we were probably fourth or fifth in the championship at that stage after after Winton and and Sydney. Um, so we we had reason to stay. And uh, yeah, the the story of us getting the Eastern Creek Carts car for for Sandown was. Um, was a pretty good one and, and it was yeah pretty pretty last minute and um yeah that that gave us our our first win and i think it had only been will brown and cam hill who would want to want a race before that so we were the, the third winner in the inaugural series in the um 2017 and 2018 season you continued on with the the toyota 86 series um those two years you were runner-up to uh in the series what changed between 2016 2017 and 2018 that allowed you to get those podiums and keep running you know getting out of the let's call it the rabble in the midfield and, and being able to run take your lines and, and run the race you have gone there to to race what changed was it the car was it the the events that were running was it you what 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 was it that made you jump into that upper echelon I, I think um, you you have to be in, in the right car. And even though, you know, Formula Ford and 86 series are kind of, they're all the cars are meant to be similar. You know, there's there's still a difference between a good car and an, and an average car. Um, you know, we were we were in a, a good car to start with in, in 2016. Um, and then the, the Eastern Creek Carts car was, was a good one as well. That was with the first win, but... We ended up so 2017 was actually probably one of our one of our worst years. Um, I don't think I was on the podium or won a race at all that year, um, and that was in a car that was built. That was a 2012 car, um, and it was meant to be okay, um, but it wasn't. And no matter what we tried, whether it be new engines, new drive lines, new suspension, wheel bearings, like, like, name anything on that car apart from the main wiring harness and we changed it um, and tried to make it faster and it would just never go in a straight line. So the the saving grace for us was the the year Jimmy Vernon won, the, won his championship in 17. That kind of opened the door up for us to, to slot into to that car, which Bruce Williams owned. And then, uh, yeah, the next two years we we ran that car and and we were runner up in in the championship. And um, it just it was a, it was the car that was it was built well from the start. You know, Bruce bought it brand new from a dealership, um, ran it in properly on the road himself. And and Bruce is a pretty meticulous motorsport guy anyway. So um, and then it was you know had a proper cage proper cage and everything built for it and it was it was just all done the right way and uh, that made a big difference when it came to our results on track. That was uh, an interesting period because I, I know Bruce reasonably well, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> the um, the technical side of things when uh, stewards tried to find illegalities with that car on two occasions and Bruce proved them wrong were phenomenal the way he could he could recite the rule book without actually going to it yeah he's a he's a guy that has been around the sport a long time i suppose for for our listeners that don't know we're, we're talking about the the man behind uh, auto action here bruce bruce williams um he's you know done a lot of racing in his own right and should should be well respected probably more respected than than he is um and you know the the way that he went into to bat for us um 
with with some of those allegations against us, which were just ridiculous, really, and, and it came down to a bit of negligence, um, were were amazing, and he he saved our championship, and um, fortunately for him, a bit of bit of prize money for for both of us. <laughs> and he wasn't backwards and forward in coming forward about. Uh, what was right and what was wrong and proved the stewards to be wrong in both those occasions that I was aware of. And and Bruce, true in his fashion, handed out some character references along the way too. Absolutely, <laughs> as he does. And and I mean, I think um, I think there is a, a balance um, between how, like obviously we need to treat officials with respect, but you also need to make sure you stand up for yourself. And when you know that something is is not right um and you're being accused of something then you need to have your ducks in a run and be ready to fight it because um yeah if, if we had have lost that you know people would have branded us cheaters for for absolutely no reason mm-hmm. um and we would have lost lost a very good result in in the championship so uh yeah, that that Saturday night after I think I'd won the race that day and they came and bailed us up and, and we were up until 11 o'clock at night was just horrifying for for us who, you know, we'd put our blood and sweat and everything into that championship that year to try and beat Tim, um, who was a good mate but became a rival that, that season. And, uh, yeah, it was not uh, not something that you want happening on Saturday night. Where, where at this stage was your thoughts about moving from the Toyota series? Where were you looking at going? Um, that is such a good question, Gary, because honestly, that, that that's changes... why he's got the job. Yeah, <laughs> that, that changes quite a bit for me, depending on, on where our sponsors want to, want to go to. Um, I, I think at that stage, we knew that TCR was, was coming in and we could see the, the interest building around that. And obviously our relationship with Bridie, we knew that he was looking at it and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but Honestly, Super 2 was was something that we were looking at back at that stage with the, the sponsors that we knew we had coming on board with in 2019. Um, and I think 86 Series gave us a platform to show our talent, to show our talent of bringing, you know, not just driving on track, but bringing sponsors on and being able to do the right thing by sponsors and promote them properly um and and kind of build build the platform that that we sit on today because that it wasn't possible to do that with formula ford you just touched on your relationship with jason bright what what how did that come about and and what is it how is it helping you moving forward well i've got my little brother blake to to thank for that one because while i was probably always waiting at the back of the mitre 10 fit for for Larco. Um, later in life, my little oldest brother, Blake, um, was infatuated with with Bridie. Um, for whatever reason, Blake, you know, he's not a huge motorsport fan. He actually is in college in the States at the moment on, on a scholarship to playing American football, but he just fell in love with with Bridie. Um, and it was just like a, a, a fan crush and kind of you know, dad had kept in touch with Jace over the years. And, and there was a time, I think, after his role in Adelaide, um, you know, dad got in touch and sort of said, oh, if there's anything off the car that's available, Blake would would love it. 
And um, about two weeks later, with with no reply from Jace at all, a um, a full door card with BOC turned up saying <laughs> thanks for the support, Blake, and and you know that was kind of yeah, Bridie's relationship with with us began, and um, and yeah, he's he was really good with with helping me to to figure out you know exactly where to go with TCR and and you know what the best options were going forwards. So, would that have been door off that car he rolled at Adelaide, was it? Correct. Yeah, the the big, uh, the famous barrel tornado roll yeah. down there. Yeah, correct. So let's uh, jump into TCR. It landed in your life. Um, you jumped into a great seat in an Audi at uh, MPC, and uh, away you went in in TCR. And I guess this is where the Luke King that that the TCR as a category, the ARG scene, the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships started to really fall in love with the way Luke King goes about his motorsport with the this 100% commitment on and off the track. What Tell us about that. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, breaking into TCR for us was, was a huge thing. Um, I never thought it would actually happen. Um, we've got Mautide to, to thank massively for, for that and the story of, of how we met Mautai is to, to cut it short is we were just hanging out at a, at a sushi train one afternoon, me and Liz. And we, I befriended this little boy that was at the, at the table next to us who was pretty chatty. And um, we, you know, we sort of got talking about what I do and, and he was interested in my racing and all that sort of stuff. And um his his dad owned a, a cellar door and um and they they paid for our sushi that that day without asking us and we said oh let us return the favor so you know we exchanged details and um and yeah lo and behold we we went to to meet them all one day and um they sort of said we'd like to help you with your your, your racing and, and your profile and like we we just like who you and and liz are as people so how can we help and um, we came up with a few concepts and it, it turned out that the, the Audi really suited Mautai and and Troy Troy and the boys at, at NPC were, were pretty um, quick to, to get going and, and get things at, at order in order down there and um, yeah never been to Tassie before and um, and that was our debut in a, in a front wheel drive Audi TCR. You so, talk about the um... The, the people you've raced against, um, a lot of them in the past have been mates. And I guess there's probably a few in TCR that have been that way. Have you had issues with anyone in particular that that have likely to have carried on after an event? Well, I, I did get your your message uh, about, you know, have a, have a think about some rivals or some people who have, you've kind of brushed with over the years. Um I think at, at the moment, Jordan Cox and I seem to be finding each other quite a lot out on track. Um, he's lent on me and I, I've lent on him, but it's never been too, uh, too much of a lean that it's it's damaged either car or anything like that. And it's just good, hard touring car racing. So, um, you know, Coxie and I are kind of the battler brigade with, with Josh Buck. And at the moment, really, we're all from sort of, not the traditional way of, of motorsport. We've kind of come in from some random stuff. Um, Timmy Brook is a good friend, but in 2018, things got pretty heated on on track and 
Greg Crick wasn't happy about me running him all the way up to the fence down at Sandown. Um, I wasn't happy when Declan Fraser took me out down, out at Newcastle. That was that was far from far from ideal. And I'd actually been helping Declan and his dad get to grips with the '86 that that season. So. Um, so yeah, there's been a been a few over the years. Before we go down that rabbit hole just a little bit too far, just hark back to that that Phillip Island round in TCR in the Audi. Um, Chaz Mostert had a, a fantastic weekend. There's no denying that. But you grabbed yourself a couple of podiums that weekend. How how you know how high in the saddle were you riding out of Phillip Island after that weekend? It was a, it was a pretty landmark weekend in your career. Yeah, it was huge, mate. We, um, I, I think it was when we were told that Chaz was going to be our teammate. Um, to me, that was the best thing ever because I thought, what an opportunity for me to actually finally prove myself against someone of of his caliber. Um, not not to say that I wouldn't have wanted any of the other boys in that field as my teammate, but to have Chaz, it were it's a very clear marker of of where you are in terms of driving talent and i i think even paul morris put up a post on his on his social media that that weekend sort of you know giving us a big pat on the back and and i think the famous line was for all you all you guys out there um uh what what was it It was luke king's got more more backbone than wishbone or something like that so (laughs) get off get off the couch and have a go um so yeah i mean a lot of people noticed that and i i think um yeah for for us to hold Chaz off for those 12 laps i think people thought he was going to dispose of me pretty quickly once he once he caught me um and i certainly wasn't making it easy i know that um i know that in the pit Adam and Chaz were sort of like, oh, get Luke to just let us through. And Troy was like, nah, they can race. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we, we raced on and, and obviously, you know, he, he ended up getting me and I just didn't have enough tires to come back at him by, by that stage. But um, yeah, I was very happy with, with how that weekend went. And um, yeah, it was kind of, it, yeah, I think it sort of put us on the map. And when you when you watch that replay, it's um, we're both going hard, and we we made him work work for his spot. So uh, I hope a few V eight teams saw that as well. <laughs> I reckon they did actually. We went down a rabbit hole. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole again. The start of this season, uh, less than ideal start. Um, you didn't make it to, to Tasmania. But yep. you have jumped on board. You're you're off the Audi. You're now into a Hyundai i30N TCR, still emblazoned with the great colours of Maotai and Zip Pay along yep. board. I do like the way you've got your sim right behind you with the sponsor stickers on the back. Never miss an opportunity, and and I'll gladly mention them for you. You know that every single time. And uh, if you're if you're looking for a nice night to relax, grab yourself a Mai Tai and uh, a, a Maotai, sorry, and uh, and enjoy. But um. Yeah, how how was it coming off the back of a you know a pretty good twenty twenty one? We were still punctuated by stupid COVID rules and all that sort of thing. Landing into twenty twenty two and the and and it's like a, a triathlon. You've done the swim leg, you've done the run. Now you've got to do the ride, and the ride's all uphill. Yeah, yeah. Look, it it was disappointing that we couldn't get something over the line as as quick as we needed to to start the season um, with with TCR. Um, the the complication there was just that because I'm not able to fork out, you know, family money or anything like that to bankroll us, we're literally at the mercy of 
the the sponsors, you know, giving us approvals in in time and that sort of thing. And um, I had voiced my opinion that I thought the TCR season was probably going to start a bit too early um, after the the late finish that we we're going to have in in December. But um, yeah, I'm only one driver, and, and TCR obviously ended up going going ahead with with Tassie in February, and it was just too soon for us. So. Um, we we managed to get all our deals sorted um in in time to to join the the series and um you know Michael King and the Dashport guys have been fantastic with helping us get the the deal together and agreeing to run the car for us as kind of like a privateer effort and um yeah I think it's been a good opportunity where I don't have to worry about the championship I get to show that I can adapt to another car which I think is really important um you know we've gone and driven a lot of cars now i drove that lmp3 over in china back in in 2019 which was pretty cool um and i, I feel like i mean i sorry i probably should say as well we won the colin bond award for the for the most versatile driver in new south wales so i feel like being able to chop and change between cars and still bring bring home podiums um shows that we don't need much testing to to be competitive the other thing worth mentioning is the sim stuff i noticed that you got a rig there behind you so um you've dabbled in that do you find that is beneficial to what you do on the racetrack yeah i i actually i'm gonna you mentioned him earlier in this in this broadcast or, or this podcast sorry uh jordan caruso uh from sports sedans he's he's quite handy on, on a on a sim himself and um i've lined him up to to help me sort of tune this thing a, a bit more because there's a few a few aliens on the sim that I can't quite work out how to how to catch, and um, I just don't have the time to really go through everything myself to get up to that level. So um, I find the sim has always been really good for um, focus and for obviously track familiarization. So you know, two weeks up leading up to a, a race weekend, I'll just jump on the sim and and cut laps, and I've got it set up so that the muscle memory is the, the same and I probably don't look so much at a lap time on, on the sim as what I would in real life where I'm just trying to simulate the feeling and make sure that all my senses are, are switched on ready for the race weekend. So um, I've always loved the sim. I, I, I get on and I do a, a fair bit of racing on there with some, some friends in a social group and um, yeah, hopefully Jordan can, uh, can give us a hand to, to find an extra few tents couple of questions I want to put to you in a, in a two-part question, I guess, is is what was your best race ever? And separately, or it might be the same instance, the most memorable or, or favourite time at a racetrack ever. And they don't have to be the same thing. So your best race and something that just sticks in your mind that is your most memorable thing. Um, I think for us, uh, one of the most uh, – or one of the best race weekends for us um, – I'm going to have to give you a couple here. So QR recently for, for TCR, you know, we, we didn't win outright or anything like that, but we were the only Hyundai on the, on the podium. Um, we were the the highest finishing Hyundai for, for the weekend. And it was only me and Bridie in the trailer and two boys out on the car. It was Jacko from Dash Sport and uh, a guy named Josh Love, who was actually... Um, the Boilermaker at Origin Energy when I worked there and just happens to be really good at spannering race cars. So he's jumped in and, and done a, a few rounds for us this year when we've, we've Dash has been out of action. So 
you know, four blokes on on one car. Mick King was there sort of managing it. And um, and I, I thought we just had a really good weekend. Like, it was a lot of fun. And we, I'd never been to QR before either. Um, probably, you know, going back to, to other events would be the Newcastle 500, where we clean swept in, in 86 series. Um, you know, there was a big shunt in the opening race there. Um, we went on to win the one and only wet race I think Newcastle's ever ever had uh the next day and slid slid the 86 around the track and put out about a, a seven second lead to, to win that race over Zane Morse so um you know that was that was a really cool weekend because that's basically a home home race for me being from the central coast so um so yeah they they'd have to be the two two standout ones for for me um and probably the some of the most memorable times would be Formula Ford. Um, that that weekend at Nationals, Darren, where you're you're saying I met you for the first time. For us to finish fourth with a very small crew against some of those cars and drivers that you mentioned, that for me was a time where I looked at it and went, Yeah, okay, if I keep tipping money into this, I reckon I can go all right. Because I knew what we tipped in to to that car to get to there and versus what everyone else had, had tipped in and we were doing all right on averages. I'm Luke, glad you're you quite... didn't mention meeting Daz. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he remembers it, Gaz, which is strange in <laughs> itself, but I certainly remember it. Um, <laughs> you're absolutely legendary, Luke, for your your commercial approach and your never-say-die approach to to bringing these all valuable sponsors on board. As you've said, you need it. You're not being, you're not a benefactor of any family money, a trust fund or, or anything like that, which we see all too often. And I think the people that uh, you're getting to latch on with you are, are, are like-minded people. They're working hard at selling their, their Mao Tai liquor or their zip pay. And they often appear to be like-minded people. How hard is it for you to keep that grind going? Um, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Um, it is, um, one, one of the good pieces of advice that Larco gave me was it's, it's hard getting a sponsor. It's harder to keep a sponsor. That is honestly the, the hardest bit. Um, and, and, you know, keeping them happy, you have to do double, you have to do triple, you have to over deliver, um, you have to make sure there's a return on investment these days. You have to make sure your digital is all in place. And I'm certainly not perfect. And, and we try and we try and scale up every year and, and get better and better. Um, but for me, I, I just think I just look at it and I go and Liz and I say this all the time, like 12 year old Luke would um, would never have thought that he would make it to, to this level. Um, you know, 12 year old Luke, I, I could only afford one set of tyres for a full season of club meetings at Newcastle Cart Club back then. So to be, you know, to be raising, you know, three to $400,000 a year to, to go TCR racing is, is a huge thing for us. And I, I actually had someone say it to me out of the blue the other day at the track. I can't remember who it was, but it was one of, one of dad's old friends who we probably hadn't seen for a while. And I, he sort of said to me, oh, I bet you're happy. Your dad's happy that he doesn't have to pay for it anymore. And I'm like, I said to him, I'm like, mate, my dad hasn't paid for my racing since, <laughs> since karting. Like, I reckon I have probably, 
the I would have spent you know half a million dollars of my own money while all my friends went off and bought houses and stuff and I was you know doing seven days a week at the power station trying to pay for Formula Ford so um yeah I think because I've put so much into it and we're we're so close I feel like we're we're ready to tip over the edge to get a supercar seat or you know to to at least be running commercially very well in TCR for the next few years that um yeah, you, you can't give up on it. I'm not going to let you go any further in this podcast without thanking Liz. What a what a, uh, a lucky man you are. <laughs> yeah, Lizzie, Lizzie and I, funnily enough, met through a, a, a sponsor. Um, she was she was working for the sponsor at the time, and I pretended to know nothing about social media. And um, she was a social media specialist, so therefore we had to to spend some time together. So. Uh, yeah, she's come on the scene and and across a race weekend and even in sponsor meetings and stuff, she's, you know, she works just as hard as I do and, and helps raise my level of professionalism. So um, that's saying that there's a, a great woman behind every man. I think it's the, the opposite way around. There's a great, great man behind every woman. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you take don't, a don't full... tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> you take a, a full mind and, and body approach to each and every event and, and a race weekend. Run us through your your routine. You you you're into supplements. You're into you know clearly into physical training, the mental aspect as well. Give us a bit of a, a race week routine and then a race day routine, and in amongst that, any superstitions that you have you have to do. Yeah, that's um, it's an interesting one because I, I know a few few drivers that probably don't don't follow it as much, but it's certainly uh, I I know with the TCR car it's it's a tiring thing to drive, even though it's it's paddle shift and it doesn't have a stick in it or whatever. Um, but they are tough little cars to stay on top of, and it's kind of like driving a go kart. Um, you, my general sort of routine during a race week, uh, or sorry, on a lead up is I've got um, one of my best mates from high school is one of the, the top three trainers on the Central Coast where I'm from. So Greg from Alpha Performance Centre um, does all Sorry, Greg from... Greg from Alpha Performance Centre. Big g'day, Greg. How are you going from the Alpha <laughs> Performance Centre? Big up, Greggy. <laughs> Brick bandits for life. Um, we, yeah, we uh, stay in touch and have a, have a weekly check-in. So that includes everything from you know, 10 or 12,000 steps a week, depending on a day, sorry, depending on what Greg's got us on to how many calories I'm, I'm having um, that week. And obviously our general gym routine. So it's usually about three days of, of strength training at the gym and um, two or three days cardio, depending on where I can, can fit it. So um, it sounds like a, a lot, but when you when you break it down, you know it's it's an it's an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon. And I was able to do it when I you know had a full time job and was doing my racing. And I'm lucky enough now that I'm just doing the racing, so I can kind of fiddle fiddle all in and actually get some some sleep. So um, so yeah, it, it works out pretty well. Um, the race day stuff um, kind of depends. TCRs had. A, a real shift in the times that it's sort of been on this year. Sometimes we've had some morning events. We had the night racing at Sydney and then we're back to, to midday afternoon stuff at QR. Um, but generally I find just so long as I'm getting eight to nine hours sleep um, and at least having a, a stretch, at the very least, I find 
sleep is the biggest effect for uh, performance the next day. So there's actually a, a study out there saying that getting, you know, less than your, your good night's sleep is the equivalent to having like one or two standard drinks the, the next day in terms of where your mental focus is. So, um, so yeah, sleep and, and uh, a good stretch um, and activations, we call it, in, in the morning just to get all the muscles firing um, is, is the way to start the day on a, on a race weekend. Any superstitions that you follow? Um, I have luckily been able to stay away from most superstitions just because when you're on a hectic race weekend, I don't think it's good to have that stuff because if you can't do it, and then you get in the car and you're like, shit, I haven't put the left glove on before the right glove and you've got to take everything back off. It just complicates things. So I, the only thing that I do is my fireproof socks have got a tag on the outside of them. And I always have to have that tag on the outside rather than the inside of my calf. Don't ask me why, but it just feels right having the tag on the outside. So Gaz, no superstitions there, but he's got to have his sock with the tag on the outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely no I'm superstitions. I'm glad he hasn't got any superstitions yeah, no whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so outside of preparing for motorsport, mentally, physically, and actually racing, what else do you do? Yeah, so that's that's a question that I get uh, a lot of the time, and it's... Um, it's a it's a full-time job you know jumping from you know like obviously trying to maintain sponsors like we were saying before there was a point back in 2018 where when I was working for Origin I they were lucky enough or they were good enough to give me flexi hours and then I was doing proposals for two or three hours at at night time after I'd finished work and then I'd be going home working on the race car and getting everything prepped and ready. And, you know, two or three years of that and I was absolutely burnt and I'd just gotten to the point where we could actually, you know, maybe make a bit of money out of running the 86 series and doing the right thing with the sponsors and all that sort of stuff. So um, the, the long and short of it is I had to make a jump um, to try and expand it. And that was the right choice because it's given me more time to, to work on the sponsors and, Basically, that's what I do each and every day is is business development for for the sponsors. I ring around and I I try and get them business through some of the other um, people I know in in the industry, and I connect dots for for people. Um, and we do the digital stuff. We plan the content, um, and we we work internally as as part of each sponsor. Uh, obviously, depending on how big they are for for that season. So um, so yeah, it's not just a sticker on the car these days, as as you guys well know. Mm. Luke, so here's your opportunity. Who's contributing to Luke King Racing and the uh, the 2022 TCR series? So yeah, I suppose the, the biggest thing has to go out to to the team at Maotai and and all the work that they're doing behind the the scenes to help activate um, our partnership to together. Um, there's obviously a lot of work that has to go on from the sponsors side, and they they do that really well, and they're super engaged with it. Um, Fast Track Communications have been a very long time sponsor uh, of ours, the, the longest running. We've had them for, I think this is their seventh year on one of our race cars. Um, and they've been absolutely brilliant with with their support. And they've act, they were actually at the 86 series that year that we got totaled in 2018. And the boys were helping to put panels back on the car. 
Um, Zip, Zip Pay uh, is obviously one of our biggest partners this year um, and they're, they're huge around all stores. Um, they actually are a partner of Track Racer, the, the SIM sponsor behind us. So anyone needing a SIM, feel free to, to borrow through Zip Pay and purchase through Track Racer. Um, and uh, Fastron uh, Lubricants is, as well are our lubricants partner from uh, from Indonesia. And we've, we've had them um, famously on the, the 86 that uh, won all those races at, at Newcastle. So, um, yeah, proudly supported by by all those brands this year. And we wouldn't be here without them and, and many other people that, uh, that help us out in the background. Luke King, thank you very much for being our, uh, our special guest on episode eight of the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast. It's been a, a fantastic chat with you. Um, you're by far the youngest guest we've had on there and you're younger than me. So that means that you're definitely the youngest guest that we've had. Um, from, from Gary and I, it's been a, a great chat and uh, I'm sure Gaz would like to wish you well for the rest of this season as well. I'd like to wish you well for this weekend coming up at Sandown. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm hoping we go well there too. We've got quite a good track record at uh, at Sandown and it's, uh, it's a good old school circuit. So I'm very much looking forward to getting our little Hyundai down there. And um, we've got Tony Woodward working with us from uh, Supercars this weekend as our engineer. So uh, I think it'll be it'll be a good weekend for us. We, we should go pretty well, I reckon. We'll catch up with you at the track, I'm sure, over the weekend. Luke King, thanks for being our guest. Thanks Thank for having me, guys. Luke. Fantastic to have Luke King, uh, an absolute, uh, I'm not even going to say star on the rise, a star in his own right on the uh, on episode eight of the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing podcast. Gaz, uh, this leads us into coming events and it, it just, the rest of this year is just chock-a-block full of events, isn't it? Well, well, it is, Des. Um, I, I just want to quickly touch, just before we go into what's coming up, there's a couple of rallies over the last couple of weeks in New South Wales, uh, the Rosewood rally which is down in the riverine area and then the following weekend we had the Naruma forest rally and as it turned out nathan quinn and ray winwood smith won both of them they won the first one in a mazda rx2 their classic uh rally car where they beat jd mills and scott mcmahon in their evo 8 and uh brad goldborough and scott doyle in their datsun 1600 the following week at the Naruma event they raced their hyundai they won the event fairly comfortably by best part of four minutes. Wow. Um, but declined to take any any awards or prize money or, sorry, awards or uh, points out of it because it was a club rally series. So um, pretty good gesture. And that left um, the win to Darren Sweeney and Paul Sexton over uh, Claude Murray and Lizzie Firm. So that was a pretty good gesture by them, but certainly uh, getting some good rally miles in is Nathan Quinn and Ray Winwood smith Yeah, certainly. And you'd have to suggest with the uh, the old Mazda that they're, they're reaching the crescendo like uh, numerous of them are with the Alpine down in Gippsland at the end of this year as well. So they all seem to head towards their monk house and, uh, and a whole lot of names drag out their old uh, rear-wheel drive Datsuns and... <laughs> Mitsubishi's yeah, and yeah, finding a front wheel drive for that event might be a bit difficult. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Plenty of uh, plenty of motorsport going on. There's some trucks, uh, truck racing coming too, Gaz. 
Uh, Winton Raceway this weekend's got Super Truck Nationals. There's third and final round because uh, the final, fourth round at Wakefield Park was cancelled due to the circuit closing. Also got the state championship event at Wadaroo Raceway in Western Australia. State championships at the Bend as well as the Australian Formula Board Championship, which I think is their final round. It's is round six, so that'll be interesting. And boy, that's been uh, been a close contest with different pole sitters and different winners. And the most recent winner being uh, Cameron McLeod. So yeah, the um, Formula Ford's really pushing on. Still, still great fields, large fields, still racing there. And um, yeah, I think you touched on it just then. The uh, Motorsport Australia Sporting Car Club of South Australia Round Four at the Bend is that. That's where the Formula Fords are, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a motor events racing. Um, Around or uh, another event they're having up at uh, Morgan Park, and I believe that it's a capacity field. And this is for uh, Red Bull cars under five grand. Um, it's a 20 hour event, so it goes day and night. And um, so they've been doing some good things. Their most recent one was at Winton called the Winton Rumble, and the two cars that actually finished on the same lap after 17 and a half hours on track. <laughs> and separated by about a minute. And that was about it. But going back to what's on this weekend as well, we've got Baskerville Historics. That's a big one down there. Lots of um, mainlanders going down for that in uh, either Group N or Group C, Group A, and some of the other categories. I tell you what, if you drove past the line up to the Spirit of Tasmania earlier on today, it was like a classic car show going on to the, <laughs> the boat. In fact, uh, going over there tonight, if you just wandered around in the, in the hold, you'd uh, see some magnificent... Um, Pieces of kit, of course, in Victoria this weekend. We've got the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships, which you've just been talking about with Luke. Uh, TCR on there, Trans Am, uh, the uh, the on uh, for the first time ever at Sandown. So it's going to be interesting there. The Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge, the Fanatec GTs on there, um, Australian production cars by Liquamoly. And the Gulf Western Touring Car Masters is going to be a uh, a bumper weekend at uh, at Sandown. Gates open, uh, tickets are already on sale, and uh, look really looking forward to seeing how that event um, pans out. With uh, you know, particularly the Trans Ams there, it's going to be interesting to see how the brakes hold out after a couple of big long straights and a big application there as to how the Trans Ams hang in. There, it's going to be interesting to see how Benny Grice chases the rear the rear of his car. That's for sure. Well, it'll be interesting to see um, if Nathan Hearn can uh, secure a second championship two years yes. in a row. Yes, very much so, Gaz. Um, the following weekend, 23rd, 24th, 25th, or really the 24th and 25th of September, where public are allowed in, and we certainly encourage them to get down to Phillip Island for the last, last round of the Victorian State Circuit Racing Championships. It will be on uh, Blendline TV, live streamed, but I tell you what, it's the last round. There's actually only one class... Uh, not even in category. There's one class, the under two liter improved production has already been run by Steve Zorkus. Every other class and every other category is open uh, for uh, for contention. So it's going to be a great weekend of racing down at Phillip Island on the 24th and 25th of September. Yeah, I'm looking forward to sitting back and listening to you farm off all your work to your apprentices for the couple of days. Of oh, no, I can tell you what, there. mate, I'll be working hard that weekend. The apprentices are... are, are on paid jobs that weekend. So yeah, uh, you will, you'll hear a fair bit of me. Maybe you can uh, dip into your pocket and uh, pay for me to come down. I'll help you out. 
Sorry, mate. That got all broken up then on the uh, on the airwaves. Oh, it, I missed would, all of that. Um, other things on that weekend: grassroots racing series at Lakeside Park. Um, the last round of that was cancelled, and can't remember why. I think it was floods at the time. And yeah, actually, memories uh, tweaked in. It was uh, water on uh, around the area. People couldn't get to the track and what have you. Big rally championship. Of course, the last round of that. Sadly, um, we had a fatality. Uh, sorry, that was the off-road, wasn't it? I meant to mention that, the fatality in the off-road championship at Hindmarsh the other weekend. Um, yeah, so big rally championship uh, at uh, Valley Stages, uh, Yarra Glen area. That's uh, actually w- a really, really good event. They have some really good spectator mm. points uh, out in the valley down towards Tulangi and uh, in that area. Well worth getting out and having uh, a good look at it. It's a very well-run event. Yeah, the um, Western Australian Off-Road Championships at Three Springs. We've got um, Queensland Off-Road Championships at Milchester. The last round of that was the Don River Dash. Uh, a great event up there in, in the um, realms of off-road racing. I think it's the most want-to-do event after the think. Gary, that will bring us to the very end. Remember the Napa Know How Academy. It's a free service for all of the people wishing to improve their grassroots racing. Check that out at www.napaparts.com.au. And of course, our New Zealand variant. That will bring us to the end of episode eight. It's a two from me and over to you. And it's a good night from Daz. There we go. We'll catch you uh, very soon on the next episode, episode nine of the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast. You've just listened to another Network R production. 